Hello and welcome back to the Kicked Vix podcast. You might notice a different voice in the host chair today. And my name is Alex Catalano. Unfortunately, Joey's had to step out of it. Uh, he couldn't face the embarrassment of the pies not being on top of the ladder, so he's made his way out. And, of course, the rightful Don's reign at the top, as always. Josh Ward joining me once again this week. Joshy, uh, a good week in the VFLW for some, not for others. We won't say it was a good week for Carlton, um, but <laughs> good weekend of games regardless. It was a pretty good weekend of games. Uh, great to have you back too, Alex, after your brief hi- hiatus away from the kicked fix. But yeah, it was a couple of very interesting results. Most of them pretty lopsided too. Uh, my girls, the the, the Southern Saints, uh, they picked up and they got back on track. Uh, the Blue Girls, we We'll barely talk about their performance against the Dons, but yeah, it was uh, it was a good weekend of action, and yeah, it looks set to be another potential exciting weekend coming up too. And joining me, well, for we're together for the first time on the podcast. He was on last week, and you heard his voice last week, Jared Thomas. Uh, I'm hearing that our girls there from Wardy talking about the Saints. Now I know you're a you're a born and bred. Saints man, and I know Wardy is working with the Zebs at the moment, but that sounds like a little bit of bandwagoning to me. I know. I feel like I, I should claim, like, take a serious claim in the Saints team because look <laughs> at them go so far this year. They've had a great start, and every single week I'm just more and more impressed. And yes, as you said, I, it's my first time on the podcast with you um, after I tried to take your spot, and then <laughs> you ended up getting a promotion anyway. So it's very good to be back. Yes, well, uh, before we get into the games across the weekend, before the first bounce, uh, we talked, or we will be talking a little bit to Sophie Loft from the Port Melbourne Football Club about this, but is the trip down to Geelong the toughest trip in all of women's footy? Josh, we've seen a few teams go down there so far this year and they haven't come out alive. Port Melbourne only managed a point this week. The Hawks got done by three goals and, of course, Carlton uh, got absolutely smashed by 10 goals previously. They had some great results uh, down at Deakin as well last year, the Cats, so there's definitely an argument to say. Yeah, it's definitely an argument. I don't think they've lost there since since early on in the season last year. And the thing it, that last loss was against Port Melbourne too. So it is it is a very tough trip. And lucky me, I get to make the trip down there this week. But yeah, it is it it, it is it is a fortress down there, almost like what 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 the Melbourne AFLW side has made Casey Fields. It's you go down there it, it's such a hug that the cats they know how to play that ground down there and they just constantly dominate and we've seen through these these or two of these first three games they're just a dominant force they were t- challenged by hawthorne but yeah it's it's just such a tough trip going all the way going all the way down the highway taking the one hour trip to geelong get, or worn worn ponds and yeah, facing off against an unbelievable geelong side we talked a bit about the Cats uh, pre-season, Jared, a bit about how we thought they're going to be right up there with the contenders again. And obviously winning those three games to start the season, they're looking very much like it. Uh, they've got three more games in a row uh, out in Warren Ponds too. So uh, three tough games too against the likes of Casey. They've got the Saints this weekend and the Bombers after that. So they've got very much a big chance to stamp themselves as an early contender if they can knock off three of their biggest threats at home. Yeah, well, I think the the key to those those three games is the fact that they are at Deakin, um, which is obviously a ground that they are incredible at, as as Joshua was saying. Um, those three games, if they can come out of those three with two two wins out of three, or if they manage to get the three and and try and knock off say the Essendon or, or Casey, 
it would be a, a serious effort and something that would stamp their authority and have them really well placed by the end of the year. And that's, I guess, the the good thing about those home stretches where it's three weeks in a row or however many weeks in a row playing at the same ground, you could really get used to it. You're training on that ground constantly. You're playing on that ground constantly. And it's going to put them in really good stead. And come come Casey, come Essendon and come the Southern Saints, I think they're going to be a seriously good side by the end of these three rounds. And you look as well that weekend after round seven, they're away, but then round eight back at home against Collingwood as well too, Josh, another strong contender. So it's set up for the Cats, but much like Port Melbourne these first three weeks who have travelled every week and and haven't notched up a win yet, uh, after that point, they don't play a single game at home for the last six rounds of the season. So if they do lose a few there, do you reckon it could start to look a little bit shaky if they start to, to fall apart a little come the back end? It would definitely would be a bit shaky for them. They'll they'll get well if they win these next if they win the rest of their games get their games at home against yeah like Jared said really tough opponents then they're definitely a ch- then they'll still take confidence heading into finals because who knows they might they might get a home final in the first or the or the second week and they'll take and yeah that they know how to play as we've said said um down there but yeah it. It will be challenging uh, these last couple of rounds. A couple of mass, well, a couple of very interesting away matchups too. They travel down to, they travel down to Casey to Port, up to Port Melbourne too. Some, some are reasonably tough, some are reasonably easy, but they've also, they've also got well. It will be interesting to see how they go, um, and they've also got Collingwood away too. So that'll be that'll be a massive one. They, it's a reasonably even away away part of their second half of their fixtures so if they can pick up at least two or three wins then yeah they'll they'll still go into finals with a bit of confidence but if they do if they continue on and do what put out Port Melbourne are doing these in their first couple of rounds then yeah their their confidence it'll be a bit shaky yeah, absolutely. Keep an eye on Geelong come the back end of the season. We'll look through some of the results from round three now. Some big wins, uh, starting with Hawthorne taking down Darabin by 66 points. The Falcons just putting two points up on the board. Similarly, Geelong smashing Port Melbourne, 51 points. Port Melbourne not scoring a goal either. Casey Fing North Melbourne by 20 points. Good to see them get a win in both the AFLW and VFLW. The club is looking very, very strong at the moment overall. Sunday, the Saints downing the Bulldogs at Witten Oval. Collingwood, 20 points over Williamstown. Of course, my girls, the Bombers, the mighty Bombers, 52 points over Carlton at Icon Park. Any of these games across the round stand out to you in particular? Jared, any results that maybe surprised you or any teams that performed a bit above or below expectation? Team that I really want to point out, a team that I think that we haven't spoken about enough over the past couple of weeks is Hawthorne. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about Essendon, a lot of talk about Geelong and how they've been playing. And obviously Geelong got the win over Hawthorne uh, at Deakin. But that performance from Hawthorne on the weekend against Darabin, I I think I, I might have tipped him. I might have tipped Darabin last week, maybe. Or I might have said that it was going to be a lot closer than it was, but they really proved me wrong. And they just absolutely dominated. It, it was tough to see any other way for Darren to get out of that. And like, like you said, Jess, Jesse Williams kicked four and had three behinds as well. So she had plenty of opportunities. She had 18 touches to go along with it. Just an all around amazing game. And you just, you saw them put the foot down as well. I said that last week about Essendon and how I really admired how they put the foot down. That's what the Hawks did in this game. They kicked three goals, five in the last quarter. They didn't want to just slow up and let Darren get back into it. They wanted to really 
push into them away from home and and prove that they are here and are willing and are wanting to push for that top spot against the the cats and the dons and as much as that pains me to say the bombers as like it, they are the the benchmark I think of this season so far and Hawks really want to put themselves amongst that benchmark. Oh, bet Goddard's Hawks are coming. Round 12, Box Hill City Oval, Hawthorne versus Essendon. Mark that on your calendar. That's going to be a very, very juicy game. Wardy, any games in particular stand out to you across this weekend? Uh, not really. There, there were a couple of, lopsi- a couple of lopsided results. Uh, I have to say, in that the Bulldogs-The Southern Saints game, that result doesn't do justice for the Dogs. Yeah, they, they didn't score for two quarters, but they put up a really good... I was down there, and they put up a really good fight, um, particularly in the first and third quarters. They outscored the Southern Saints in that third quarter too. Uh, and I feel like they're just starting to get back into form. We, we talked about it last week, if they could get back into form against the Sun Saints, they start they slowly go back into form. But yeah, it's um that result doesn't do them justice. But yeah, it, it not too many results stand out. Just yeah, like Jared said, the, the Hawthorne Hawthorne Darabin result is possibly the one that stands out the, to me the most how lopsided it was in the end. Yeah, well, I'm still looking at my Bombers as the benchmark of this competition in terms of games that stood out. Another fantastic performance. And I do want to take, I know you guys talked about them in depth last week, but I want to take a bit of a, a lens to their game style and how it's changed uh, a lot from last season. Uh, the Bombers were a very, very tackle-heavy side in 2021. It was what they based their game around, was applying that contested pressure from the from the coalface and, and going from there. And it led to low-scoring games, some scrappy ones. But so far, we've seen the Bombers being one of the highest-scoring teams in the competition. And that's really been started through their forward handballing game, uh, Jared. We saw it working to the advantage of their forwards across the game against Carlton. Federica Fru, obviously, the six goals I could go on about all day. But three multiple goal scorers as well with Renee Tierney and Grace Dicker too. Um, they just look a more dynamic team when they're spreading and using the ball on the outside as compared to, to 2021. Yeah, and that's another thing. It's it's always going to be, especially in the early days of, of the AFLW comp and the VFLW comp, it's very congested and very congested. With that forward handball, it allows so much space to be created and it allows for your, your running midfielders and your forwards to lead up at the ball and take it. You're going to catch the defenders off guard every time with those forward handballs and, and things like that, whereas instead of holding up the play, which some teams struggle with, they want to keep moving the footy and keep moving it forward. That's why they're scoring so heavily. Uh, in all of their games so far. And like you said, Fetty Fru kicked six on the weekend, uh, which is something that just comes from pure just delivery to her in, in the forward 50 and something that you're only going to really see from really fast moving and, and fast action football teams. Yeah, absolutely. And we look at the other players in the midfield groups that have stepped up as well. Wardy, um, Amelia Radford, we talked a little about her in the preseason as one to watch, but it is incredible to believe that this is only her third game at the level and she has notched up 35 disposals, uh, five marks as well. She's providing that option around the ground, a little bit up forward too. Um, where she's come from, only really picking up footy last year, this is just growth that we haven't really seen. 
it's unbelievable growth. Yeah, it is a great story. Playing playing for Mooney Valley in the EDFL uh, Division One last year, winning the best and fairest in the competition there, and just dominating fifteen goals in seven games. And now f- for the Essendon VFLW side, she's averaging twenty four disposals in her first three games for around four marks two. Uh, it's just been an unbelievable start. She is. She's making a name of herself in a midfield that contains the likes of, of Georgia Nance Kawan, Jordan Zanchetta, such talent in there. So it's 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 so good to see her doing so well. And I, I really hope she continues this form for the rest of the season. We talked a little bit about the Cats earlier uh, and how much they've been loving their home ground advantage. But not only that, but their game style is really changing up as well, similarly to the Bombers. Jared, they've gone from that team that does love to, to kick high scores and, well, they're still doing that, but <laughs> being that more of a, an inside team as well, Paige Shepard and Tamara Smith uh, are leading the competition for tackles, both in Geelong's midfield. These two are absolute machines when the ball's on the deck. And they don't just get tackles too. They they rack up the disposals on the weekend themselves. Shepard had 26 and Smith had 22. They will share the footy and they will hunt for that football back. And it's something that you're going to want to see from the Cats. And you see from those high-level teams, you'll see it from the Caseys and, and Hawthorne. You'll see teams that will hunt constantly and will make sure that they are sharing the ball in that midfield and getting a lot of touches on the footy and just ensuring that they have the possession of the ball as well. It's It comes, of course, from all the ruck work and, and the clearance work as well. But you can see that if they do happen to lose a clearance or if there's ever a chance for a breakout, they are onto it straight away, those midfielders. And we know being an AFLW-aligned uh, side, Wardy, they're not always going to have the likes of Claudia Gunjaka or Olivia Barber or Georgia Clark to call on because they might get uh, a, a call-up to the senior team. But on the weekend, we saw a, a young lady by the name of Melissa Bragg who sort of exploded into the competition with, with four goals. She's a netball convert. She was uh, training on with the, the Pies, I believe it was, last year and suddenly she's uh, exploded into a, a genuine forward threat. She has. It was a quiet first two weeks for her too. Didn't kick a single goal, but this week it was just an unbelievable performance. Four goals from 12 disposals. It's exciting to see all, all these converts, converts particularly from netball, doing well. They always do, they always do, do well, I reckon, converting from netball to footy and yeah, it was just an unbelievable performance from her. Claudia Gunjaka as well. She got the team up with her through up forward too. So I think she'll learn a lot from some of the some of these AFLW listed forwards. And yes, and yeah, she'll continue to go throughout the season. But what a performance from her. Absolutely. We talk about teams that are on the up, and you mentioned them before as well, Jared, that we might be sleeping on Hawthorne just a little bit to start this season. We certainly got no reason to now with the form that they're in. 2-1 to start the year, massive win over Darren. Just that little speck on the record against Geelong, but they did keep the Cats to their lowest score for the season so far. So they look to be doing uh, plenty of things right at both ends of the ground. Yeah, and like I said earlier, they've, they've got the contributions and they're, they're putting that foot down and it's something that they kind of I think struggle with against Geelong they struggle to kind of keep that pressure up throughout the whole game uh, which is something that you want to see against every team um, and especially against teams like say Darabin who might be struggling towards the, the lower end of the table you want to be putting the foot down and making sure that you're at least sending a message to the rest of the, the company saying you know and the teams that you may have had a close call with like Geelong you want to be making calls saying we aren't just going to roll over next time 
next time you see us, this is what it's going to be like. And they they really put the pressure on all game. Their disposals, how's this for a disposal uh, differential? They had 304 disposals to Darabin's 169, <laughs> which is a massive, uh, massive increase. The kicks were kind of pretty close, but you look at the handballs, it was 117 to 39 handballs. So you see that running play from Hawthorne and the pressure that they're putting on Darabin's defenders with their speed and their quickness. It's something that, is going to put them under pressure ever again. No, absolutely. I've been really impressed by the improvement in their forward line as well. They were never a particularly high-scoring team in 2021, but now they hold two of the top five current leading goal kickers in the competition, Jesse Williams and Christy Stratton, the two of them uh, leading the way. Great to see Stratton as well after being delisted from Collingwood. She's really still showing that she can be an AFLW level player with the Hawks, but this is a side that is doing all of this, Mr Ward, without one of your favourite players who's just signed with them as their AFLW inaugural signing. Uh, and she's going to explode in this side once she gets a look in. I'm very excited to see how Bridget Deed is, is going to go in this in this Hawthorne VFLW side. We won't see her until later this year. The, her Eastern Rangers, they're just flying in the NAB League girls. They might have lost, but she has been Absolutely remarkable, these first two games. And last game, too, she picked up 35 disposals against the top sides. Uh, she is one that I'm very eager to watch. Uh, hopefully, hopefully, maybe down in my area, down in Box, at Box Hill City Oval. But it's been a remarkable start. Averaging, 30, averaging 32 disposals a game, 32 disposals, just under seven tackles, five inside 50s, and... And two rebound, two rebound fifties, and around three marks a game too. So she's literally doing everything. I cannot. I wish she could come in sooner, but I I understand prioritizing the Eastern Rangers, especially when they're in the form that they are. But yeah, it's she's. I reckon she's going to cause havoc when when she comes into the Hawthorne VFLW side, and when she comes and when she starts playing AFLW next year. No, absolutely. And she might have that uh, Georgie Prasparkas-esque impact like she did on the Bombers last year come finals time. So we'll wait and see how that goes. In terms of other players at the Hawks, I've been really impressed by Amy Whelan's start to the season. She was quiet against Geelong, but she bounced back and had a huge 26-touch game against the Falcons. Uh, she was playing a lot of half-back line last year. It looks like she's done a little bit more moving up the ground, running along the wing, getting into the centre bounces as well. So really happy to see her progression after being named the team of the year and, of course, making the move from Williamstown as well. Um, we want to look at as well, boys, a little bit of uh, maybe inequity in the competition as to how we're getting players throughout these teams Obviously, uh, being majority aligned now, next year we'll have a full 10-team alignment plus Williamstown and Darabin in the VFLW. But, of course, it always relies on the AFLW teams staying healthy, Jared. And it's happened to a few teams where they just haven't had that depth to pull on. And we look at the Western Bulldogs and Port Melbourne as the two prime examples of that at the moment. Yeah, and you'll see as well on the table for the VFLW, those two teams are languishing down the bottom and are really struggling to get up. Uh, the teams that, and the teams that have been hit or haven't been hit hard with injuries in, in the AFL, like uh, Geelong and, and Melbourne, they've got the aligned teams that they can rely on these AFLW players. We've seen quite a few players come down from, uh, or even from like Carlton as well. They've had quite a few of their AFLW players. They had uh, heaps on the weekend against Essendon, and you just don't kind of see that for uh, North and for the Doggies. 
where they really need that that kind of help. And also it's going to be calling on if AFL to get more injuries, it just keeps calling on their, their VFL list of players and it's going to continue to impact them. And we said earlier in the year that the doggies could improve as the year goes by with with the way that they can bring in some AFLW players. But at this point, it looks like it's gone the other way and it's really starting to impact them uh, in this on this table and on this ladder. We look at the team that the doggies put out on the weekend, uh, Wardy and... Annabelle Strahan was in Amanda Ling, Jemima Woods, uh, Hannah Scott made her return as well, and Bailey Hunt got dropped down. But um, obviously a lot of those players are quite young, quite unproven. Woods has been a part of the VFLW team, so she's already familiar with it, obviously, but doesn't quite have that exposure at AFLW level yet to have taken the next step. Um, it's probably going to be more pain for them for the next two weeks, it's looking like, before the AFLW season ends and some of those girls can start coming back down. Sadly, it looks like it will be, yeah. But yeah, those AFLW listed, it's those. It is still plenty of AFLW listed players, but yeah, they're still still young into the into their career, as you said, Alex. But yeah, it's um, it it has had a major impact um for the dogs. I think when they played Essendon in the first round too, they didn't have a single AFLW listed player because of because of the whole COVID situation and injuries. Um, but yeah, it's it's disappoint it's. It is a bit um, it is a bit troubling for the do- dogs that yeah, even with AFLW players, they haven't been able to to make an impact. But yeah, I think, like I said before, they're slowly getting slowly getting back into form, and I think they'll start to get more, maybe a couple more AFLW players these coming weeks, and uh, more familiar faces too. And I think they'll start to start to really um start to really start to really improve um but yeah it could be it will it, it could be pain for just for for the short term but maybe in the long term it it it'll be it'll be worth it looking at a team that has tried to operate in a way where it doesn't have to rely on its AFLW players you've got North Melbourne who for its first two weeks uh weren't selecting any AFLW players uh almost as a as a point of focus um I think it was something they were trying to do to put get a bit more development into the VFLW squad they've since rescinded on that this week and some of the girls did come back in Daisy Bateman uh, obviously making a splash and looking very likely to come back into the side this week Elamora, Alexia Hamilton um all on the list as well across this game against Casey but um what do you think about that Jared that sort of you can understand the looking at the focus on wanting to try and get these VFLW girls a bit more runs in the legs, but at the same time, are you putting yourself on the back foot by not giving yourself the best chance to win and also not giving these AFLW girls somewhere to pick up a bit of form? Yeah, it was a pretty tough backflip uh, and something that we saw during the week where we knew that North had decided that they weren't going to play the AFLW players, but then they kind of made that that change and you could see why they they had struggled a little bit early in the year but they were still putting up at least a, a pretty competitive fight uh, they played Hawthorne in the first one who obviously we know uh, very well but they they put up a real good fight against Collingwood in the second round um but I think it's it's all about the balance for them and they've they've had a few weeks to to put all the VFLW players in and now it kind of gets towards that business part of the year where, as we said, teams are going to start getting better with their AFLW players getting dropped down. They're going to want to try and make sure that they are matching up with them and make sure that they can at least get some wins on the board over these next few weeks and, and coming into the end of the AFLW season when they can get all their players back and hopefully be in a good stead towards that middle part of the year. 
Next up on the Kicked Vix podcast, we have got one of the goal-kicking stars of the VFLW. She's rotated a bit more through the midfield so far this year. She's gotten herself a few more touches on the board, and that is Port Melbourne's Sophie Locke. Sophie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> I guess we'll start with on the weekend. You obviously got a very unique opportunity to play alongside your sister, Chloe, who made her VFLW debut. Um, tell us a bit about the, the lead-up to that. Oh, well, it was a little bit more chaotic than planned because um, I've been a training partner with Richmond. There was a possibility that I was going to be emergency for them on the weekend because they've been battling some injuries. Um, but I ended up at Port this weekend. I'm so happy to finally be playing with my sister again. It's been like I think two years now. Um, but yeah, it was very exciting, very big moment for the Locke family. <laughs> Did you guys play all your, your juniors and your local footy together as well? Yeah, so we played um, home uh, at home for our home club. We played together. Um, and then when I was at – we were both at Bushies, but I was in the 18 squad. She was in the 16 squad. Um, but, yeah, we played most of our junior life together, played at Seymour together, and our dad was the coach. So footy's very much done together as a family. <laughs> Yeah, no, we love that. Um, obviously, on the weekend, it was a, a trip down to Geelong for you guys. And um, we've talked a little about it. And I think we, we are sort of wondering about it because it is a road trip that's very different to what I guess you mostly do across the VFLW where you've got to get yourselves down the highway. Uh, is, it, is it a hard one to actually have to, I guess you probably start, you get up early, start your preparation earlier. Does that affect you at all coming into a game? Um, actually, Geelong wasn't too bad for myself because um, my family let us borrow the uh, beach house on the weekend so we went down Friday night so we were a little bit closer than some of my teammates were and um, we stayed down that way so it wasn't too bad of a wake up for us and I don't mind the trip down that way it's normally my happy place to be so I was, I was quite content playing in Geelong um, but yeah there was normally if I was commuting from where I live it'd be yeah almost two and a half hours that was a trip for Friday night <laughs> Weather stayed all right for you on the Friday as well? Yeah, was. Yes, definitely. Now, so you've played your first couple of games on the road. Uh, the last, the previous, the weekend before, you played out in um, out at the out at the hangar, and you played your first game out in Casey. And you've got um, you're playing the pretty much the first half of the season on the on the road. Is it hard being away from home? These, especially for the first half of this season and especially after the performance last year? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we had um, Casey down in Cranbourne for our first, uh, our second practice match and then we had them again the next week down there for round one. That was definitely a hard, <laughs> a hard commute for a lot of the girls, especially for round one. And like we've got a, new, a lot of new girls at the club and it's like we're trying to remind them this isn't what normally happens. This is just this season, I guess. And um, like even using our ground for trainings, like we're training our runners because we're accommodating the cricket club. And so, you know, we still we get the one or two nights a week training in our boots. So there's another thing that we have to um, work with for the start of the season. But um, I'm used to the commute, I guess, because I'm, I'm commuting from my hometown in Seymour. So it's about an hour and 15 just for training for me and my sister. Um, and like the game at the hangar was kind of a home game for us because it was the northern part of uh, northern part of Melbourne, so it's a bit closer. But yeah, it's 
it's interesting, but I think, you know, we'll benefit when we have the last couple of rounds all at home. So we'll definitely be making sure we utilise that opportunity. And more onto yourself now uh, this year. You've been playing through the midfield a lot more this year. Have you enjoyed the position change or like more running through the middle of the ground? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm definitely like at trainings, I've been like working with the forward line and then definitely a lot of our girls that we've had been like battling with injuries have been our midfielders. So I've been kind of chucked in the midfield and I'm definitely taking it as a learning opportunity. Um, and it's a bit different getting a lot more touches. I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> but um, no, I'm, I'm not, I think I, I think I miss the forward line, but you know, sometimes you gotta gotta do what can help the team out. And I guess that means playing through the midfield, then I'll try and do whatever I can to um, support the team. So yeah, I don't mind it, but I prefer the forward. <laughs> well, we know what you can do at your goal kicking best, so so I think we'll uh, have to have a chat to the coaches and say they need to get <laughs> you back up there as well. But yeah, you talk about your injuries, and obviously the big one that everybody points to, uh, Mel Kais has been obviously unavailable for the first few weeks. Um, obviously missing her leadership is going to be a, a massive thing. How have you sort of felt that? And have you seen any other girls step up uh, in her absence in terms of adding that that voice and what she brings as a leader? Yeah, definitely. It's been a bit of, it was pretty tough news for a lot of us girls to take, especially us girls who played with her last year. Like she's such a, she's not only a leader, on the footy field, but she's off the footy field and she still plays that role, comes to trainings every week and supports us and gets around us. Um, but we've got a leadership group of six girls and all of them definitely have been have been voted to be leaders because they always have stepped up definitely through the pre-season and in our first couple of rounds. And they're like Olivia Bardo, Lisa Davies, who finally had back this weekend and that was definitely... Um, a hole that we finally could fill again and to have her in the back line. Everyone stood up. And I think some of these girls, our leadership group is not just these six girls. There are other girls at the club, some new girls at the club who have been amazing on the field and have just fit right in. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely we, – when we got the news from Kaizy, we definitely like, right, okay, but we all just kind of took back a step, realised what we had to do and that, noticed that we all had to step up and – I think the girls have definitely done a great job and it's just a matter of us continuing it for the rest of the season. Yeah, and I guess when you look at the squad as a whole, um, given the injury issues that the Tigers have had, you've obviously had less access to those players. A lot of those girls are really big uh, parts of your team last year and really were leading the way. So how have you sort of felt the impact of not having that AFLW talent? I guess you can look at the, the wins tally, but it doesn't quite tell the story uh, from what you actually feel within the team? Yeah, no, definitely. Like, because I've been doing a training week, a, a training session a week with Richmond and the girls, like the Richmond girls, are like, you know, always checking in to see how Port's going because it is waiting for, you know, the, can't wait for when the AFLW season finishes up for them to come back with our squad and it's been good to have that connection with them. But they, and they, they feel, we both kind of feel guilty that we can't really contribute to each other because we're both, suffering with injuries um but you know in a couple of weeks time maybe tables will turn with our rounds but it's definitely been a bit tougher but it's definitely allowed girls who are coming up from development groups um, and the younger girls to have an opportunity to play in this VFL program um which I think has also been a positive I guess if we're looking for later on in the season or to next season having 
girls with a bit more experience staying in the squad for next year. Yeah, and obviously we're, we're approaching draft time. Well, not approaching draft time, but we're approaching the end of the season. Um, and I know last year I spoke to you before the draft, and obviously it's something you're keen on doing, uh, getting into the AFLW, as is everyone in the VFLW, <laughs> pushing hard. Um, you look at the situation coming into next year with 60 new list spots across Victorian teams, and of course, if you're willing to look into state even more elsewhere. But um, how do you sort of look at it now in terms of the opportunities that's there? Does it push you to keep pushing yourself and becoming a better player when there are those opportunities sort of like the, the carrot dangling in front of you. It's right there on the horizon. Um, it's definitely, I think um, after the draft last year, not being picked up, I just thought, right, you know, what, what can I do next? Like, what do I, what do I need to work on? And I think definitely, you know, having a go in the midfield is learning the crafts in a different area of the field and maybe give myself an opportunity to be looked at as not only a forward and possibly a midfielder, but I reckon, um, I think it's just, I think I'm trying to just enjoy footy. I'm not trying to focus too much on the draft. And I know a lot of clubs, say Essendon and Hawks, I've have been doing really successfully at the, for the start of this season. And definitely our main focus on that. And I don't know. I mean, I guess whatever happens, happens. But, I'm, you know, I'm also very content at Port Melbourne. It's a good club. It's a good atmosphere. So either way, I'm in a pretty good position. And now this week, Sophie, you, you're going out to Icon Park, a lot shorter trip for you against against the uh, – it, it, it's a pretty strong Carlton side. How excited are you and the girls to match up against potentially se- several AFL, AFLW players? Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think the girls – definitely took last week's loss as a learning opportunity and we've been like focusing a lot on you know what can we do next week what can we fix after last weekend and I'm actually very excited to to play Carlton we've had some like the last game we had against them last year we only got up by a point so definitely like we're keen to go again and keep on top of them and keep it to you know three nil (laughs) um but no, it's um yeah, very excited and honestly, we've I think we've got a couple of girls that we could possibly actually like, um get Richmond girls. Gotta wait and see the luck of the draw, I guess. Um, but it's it should be a good hit out, I reckon. Fantastic. Sophie Locke, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Kick Fix podcast. Uh, all the best to you and the girls on the weekend and hopefully you can notch up your first win of the season. Fingers crossed. Thank you guys. Look at a little bit of VFL news before we get into our tips. Um, the big one out of the weekend was there were a few practice games also being played, a few teams starting to, to get into gear and figuring out how they're going to look for the rest of the season 2022. But there, there was an incident in the Northern Blitz and Frankston game where we saw a player go down uh, and resulted in a six-week suspension. Um, Jared, I know you obviously have been involved with, with Frankston, saw a bit of what was going on there. So what's the sort of news going on around Bay Lambert and the Lee Mackey incident? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I wasn't there um, at the practice game, but I've heard little bits just here and there that have been released. Not a lot, um, but it looks like it's a relatively tough situation as it doesn't, it was graded as a high impact and it was severe. Um, so it looks as though it could have been something very obviously serious. Bailey Lambert has, I believe, been sent to hospital um we are unsure kind of on the surroundings of exactly what has been needed to be done uh but Liam Mackey was also concussed in the incident is another thing that we have another piece of information that we've found out so 
the fact that it's six weeks uh, kind of points to the fact that it could be quite serious. Um, it's unsure about whether more info is going to come out, but it'll be very interesting as he's going to now miss the first six weeks of the VFL season. Yeah, and the recent reports from the other day from Paul Amy, of course, the king of local and VFL footy, said that Lambert's going to be requiring plastic surgery on his face. So um, obviously a fair bit of damage being done there. Six games, a long time. Uh, and I know the Bull Ants will be wanting as many players as they can get in uh, across the year. We saw how slow they started last year. And they have been looking to build something nice, but missing a guy like Mackie across the start of the season is going to hurt. It definitely is. He was a he was a really good performer for them last year when when um when they got back into form, particularly as well. But yeah, the first six weeks that that's massive. I honestly, I would have if you told me this that someone would be suspended six weeks ago. Six weeks ago, I wouldn't believe you. I would have thought Toby Green would be the only six week suspension. But yeah, this is this is a massive loss. This is a big loss for the Bullants. Uh, they've made. Plenty of signings. They got. I think they got a lot more depth now. But yeah, it's he's still a massive blow because he's he was a really good performer, consistent performer under Josh Fraser last year. And yeah, let's see how the Bullants deal with his loss. Absolutely. Let's take a look at our tips for round four. There are some big games this weekend. I'm looking forward to a lot of these ones. The one first up at Deakin University, Geelong versus the Southern Saints. Two teams that are flying. Uh, to start this VFLW season, and they're going to want to stamp their authority nice and early. Can it be the Saints that'll give the Cats the first loss of the season, Jared? Look, as much as I would love to give the Southern Saints this tip, I like it. It really pains me. If it was anybody else at any other ground, I would have given the Saints this tip. But it's Geelong at Deakin, and as we were talking about before, it's an absolute fortress down there. I have to pick the Cats. I think I'm going to be backing the Cats as well. Wardy, what are you going with? Yeah, I'm with Jared. Uh, it'll be a lovely trip down there early on a Saturday morning. Uh, but yeah, the cats down the cats down there they've made that a fortress, and I think my my heart's with the Saints. But yeah, my head's going with Geelong. I think they'll continue the hot start to the season. Some six thirty alarms, I think, for some of the Saints girls on the weekend are going to be rising and shining bright and early. For this one, Casey versus the Western Bulldogs. Now, obviously, we talked about the dogs before, uh, not having registered a win yet. Casey sitting pretty. They have, they're they currently undefeated in that top bracket with Geelong and Essendon. Uh, I'm going to say, looking at this one, <laughs> Wardy, that the Demons will be the ones to get this one done. Yeah, I think the Demons, yeah, I've got to go with the Demons too. It's uh, they've been really, they've had a really strong start to the season, really massive, massive win against against Darabin and a couple of good, a couple of good wins against Port Melbourne and North Melbourne. So, yeah, I think they'll continue that form. And Casey Fields is as much a fortress down there as it is for the VFLW side as it is for the AFLW side. Yeah, unfortunately, Jared, the Ds won't be able to have probably a full AFLW squad with them because they're going to be a couple of travelling emergencies heading over to WA, I could imagine. Uh, but what do you reckon? Will it do them any harm? Uh, I don't think so. I think, yeah, they're going to be missing a couple, but I think that their talent's going to definitely outshine the doggies. They've had a tough start to the year, and we, we outlined before that there might be a couple more weeks of hurt for the dogs, so I'll be on with Casey. Now, this one, Essendon taking on Williamstown at the hangar. Unfortunately, I won't be able to go and support my girls because I am stuck in lockdown for another few days. But 
Uh, do you ever need to ask me my tip for this one? I don't think you do. I'm behind my bombers all the way for this one. But I'd love to know what you boys think. Uh, what are you, you're with me on this? Or? Well, we went with Williamstown last week, Jared, and that ended up in disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I think I'm going to go with this. And then they'll continue, they'll, they might even crack it. They might even crack the 100 mark. I won't be surprised if they do, but yeah, I'm going with the Don Sound at the hangar. I, I want to I want to go against the host again like I did last week. I, I'd love to, and especially because it's what you've said again, it'd be very funny. But kind of like the Cats, I just I cannot go past the, the, the Bombers. They are putting on a serious show this year, and that I guess that's the difference between between them and Collingwood. You know, last week I, I had that faith that Wimstown was going to beat the Pies, but I, I just don't see them beating the Bombers this week. If you're not a Geelong local, this one might be the game of the round, Collingwood versus Hawthorne. These two teams, obviously both two wins, one loss. Hawks are looking very good. The Pies, we know they were such a dominant force last year, but they proved us all wrong with our predictions with that round one loss. Uh, But I think, Jared, it's going to be a very tough one. Vic Park's a great fortress. They love playing there, the Pies, and they don't lose too many um, at their home deck. Well, of course, unless it's the Saints visiting but uh, I, I want to back them in for this one. I think they can rebound here. Yeah, I was going to say, they, they don't lose many, but they have lost uh, one this year very early on. Uh, it's going to be really tough. As I was saying before, Hawks have hit a real good form and the, the Pies have brought themselves back from that first loss. Uh, this is definitely, I think, going to be the game of the round. It's going to, They're going to have put on a really good show at Big Park. Uh, but I'm going to go against you and I'm going to go with the Hawks for this one. Audi, who are you yeah. starting with here? I'm going to go the Hawks as well. They're uh, they're starting to hit their straps. Yeah, against Geelong, they, they didn't get the win there. It's going to be really hard, but I think that win gives them against Durban just gives them a lot of confidence heading into this game. And I think that I think they'll continue their their strong form and strong start to the season and pick up the win. North Melbourne versus Darabin kicking us off on Sunday. Two teams coming off losses here. Obviously, Darabin with the round one victory, the massive comeback. Of course, we chatted to Steph Simpson about it a couple of weeks ago if you want to go back and listen to it. But North Melbourne, as we said, AFLW girls are coming back in now. They've got a little bit of the reinforcements in, um, Wardy, but uh, I my gut is leaning towards Darabin. I don't know why I've got this feeling about them in this game. <sighs> I don't know why, but my gut is leaning towards them too. But my head is going, North Melbourne are getting AFLW players back. And I think I, I'm just, is this could be a very good game because they're not two of the best sides, but they're two sides in similar positions, I feel. I think I'll, I think out at Arden Street, I think I've got to go with North. Jared, North Melbourne to break the duck or to Darabin to get a second win for the season? Um. I'd love to see Darabin. I've, I picked them the past couple of weeks for some upsets. I picked them against Casey as well, and they couldn't quite get up. Uh, that'd be awesome to see. But I think with North playing at home, getting some FOW plays back, I think they're gonna they're gonna get the first win, and they will defeat the Falcons. Fantastic! And the final game of the round out at Icon Park on Sunday. Carlton taking on Port Melbourne. Uh, as we mentioned before, Port Melbourne still winless. Carlton have got a win, but have struggled. Uh, in their losses, they've really blown out quite big. Um, and the win against the Saints was just a narrow margin. So very much an up and down team so far to start this season. Um, Josh, what do you reckon? Your girls or will the Barra finally find a win for the season? This is also another tough one too, because yeah, Kalna, like you said, they're a bit of an up and down side. You'd never know with them because 
last couple of weeks, they've had tons of AFLW t- talent. Uh, Port Melbourne, we'll speak with Sophie Locke later and see what she thinks about this clash. Um, it is... It, it, they could get could get some AFL Richmond players doubtful though because they are, they do have a long injury list. Do the Tigers? I'm still going to go the surprise. I'm still going to go Port Melbourne because they're real. They're I think despite the loss against well despite the thumping losses against Essendon and Geelong, they really they put up a good fight against Casey and against Casey a couple of weeks ago. And I think Carlton Carlton and Casey I feel like a, well. Carlton aren't in the same position as Casey, but Casey, Carlton are, they, they are two very similar sides. And I think Casey is just a little bit better, but I think, yeah, Port Melbourne, I think they'll get finally get their first win because they'll, I think, yeah, it's been a hard couple of weeks and yeah, I'm just hoping they do get the win. All right. Blues at home. I think I'm going to back them in for this one. Well, that is going to be all from us on this week's episode of the Kicked Vix podcast. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride with us for one more week. We hope you stick around to next week as well. It's going to be a bumper round four. Hopefully, we'll get another fantastic guest in and hopefully we'll hear the wonderful voice of Joey coming back in the studio as well. We hope you can join me hosting too. Maybe we'll try and make it more of a regular thing or maybe you just want to hear Joey's voice, as I said. He's fantastic at it. But uh, thank you, boys, Josh and Jared, for joining me. And uh, we'll hopefully hear you guys next week too. Thank you. Thank you, Alex.